0: Welcome to the E-commerce Fuel podcast, your headquarters for building a six-figure plus e-commerce business. I'm your host, e-commerce entrepreneur and Jeff Bezos wannabe, Andrew Derry. Hey hey guys, it's Andrew here and welcome to the E-commerce Fuel podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about how to successfully work with high-end designers. Uh, a number of episodes back, I think it was episode 59, we talked about what you should be considering... If you're thinking about doing a big redesign or a migration, kind of from a store owner's perspective, but I wanted to bring on a designer to talk with them and specifically find out when is it that they can add value? When are you better off kind of doing a doing a design yourself, maybe using a template versus you know making a serious investment in a quality four or five figure redesign and from a graphical standpoint? Um, and I've brought on Carson McComas from ShopifyCustom.com who's a real high-end designer. He's got a great track record, uh, a really impressive portfolio, as well as being one of the top-ranked Shopify experts and a member of our private community. So so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we dive in, as always, got to do a first-sale shout-out. <music> And this one's going up to Carl DeLeon of Flippy.com. It's not quite the Flippy you think. It's F-L-I-P-I-L-Y, Flippily.com. And he writes in and says, I just launched my online flip bookstore and got my first sale a day after. Thank you a ton for the value provided on the blog and in your podcast. Hoping to be able to join the private community once I scale things up. So Carl, congratulations, man. That's a super cool concept and e-commerce store you've got going on. So if you're... Uh, if you were anything like me, making those cool little hand-drawn, uh, you know, little flip books when you were a kid, this is uh, taking those things up a notch. Very cool presents. So so check them out if, uh, <laughs> if you've got any nostalgia related to that like I do. All right, let's go ahead and get into today's discussion about high-end design with cars. Good designers like yourself aren't cheap, so... You know, when do you think it makes sense to invest four or five figures in a great site design versus using a stock template and just making a few small tweaks?
1: You know, I think the sort of the stock template and few small tweaks group are typically people who are either starting out and they've got kind of modest needs. If you think you're in that group, I would say you're probably in that group. And, you know, just to kind of for cost saving reasons, I would go with that. If you'd make a stock template work for you, that's a great place to start typically people who are ready to make the bigger investment and go with the, you know, with the bigger systems are people who either are starting out, typically they've got a little bit more budget to work with. You know, if you've got specific design needs, like you're a Warby Parker and you've this has got to be a very unique site and it's got to look great, or you're a, you're a Dodo case where you've got kind of unique functional needs, then I think it makes sense to consider this. The other group are people who've been at this long enough that they know what they want. So you've had your site up for a while, you've spent time uh, learning from your customers, you've spent time um, testing, and and you know what you want. And, And a template is built to a specification for a platform vendor. So for example, if you're on Shopify, those templates were all built to a specification that Shopify specified. If you want something outside of that and you've been at it long enough to know what it is, that's really when it's worth investing in, in a custom uh, design job.
0: Yeah, and I, I made this mistake, Carson. We'll link up to the, the blog post. Uh, I think it's titled How Ditching My $5,000 Design Increased Sales. And the problem wasn't design. Like, good design, like what you do, Carson, and having a good functional design is really important both for usability if you do it that way and also for confidence. But the mistake I made was launching a site and before i knew anything about the niche what the people wanted what functionality was important i just paid someone you know 5k to go in and 5k is an insane amount but it's it's a decent chunk to go out and customize the site that i knew nothing about the niche and so yeah it resonates with me i wish i would have learned about the business a bit more before i made that mistake and really knew what i wanted so
1: i actually think that's kind of a common mistake i think sometimes we get in this mentality of kind of outsourcing trouble, like throwing money at a problem to make it go away. Yes. And it's important to be more invested in it than that. It sounds like you may have just said, you know what? I know I need a site. I've got $5,000. Let me put that on that problem and see if it'll go away. Mm-hmm. But you didn't do the, you know, you didn't do your homework and your half of the equation, if you will.
0: Yeah. And even, I didn't know, even if I had tried, I, it was the kind of homework where you have to do it. You have to have experience with it. You over have time, have, yeah, yeah, over time. And I didn't, I didn't let that play out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you evaluate a designer or a design firm. I mean, as someone who's a completely design illiterate, more or less, I can barely draw <laughs> stick figures, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to weigh what's just flashy and what's good design. What should somebody be looking at for a designer if they're thinking about bringing someone on to invest in a, in a fairly decent redesign?
1: You know, I, I think the first place I would, would look if I were looking at a designer is, I would look in their portfolio. I would want to see have they tackled projects similar to mine? Have they done this before? Do they know what they're doing? And, and I think it would be worth having a discussion with, with some of their clients who might be similar to understand, you know, what's it like to work with this designer? So I, I guess I'm saying check references, look at the portfolio, make sure it looks like what you want. You know, when you're talking to a designer, you know, I, I think it's important that they make some realistic promises Unfortunately, we've had to do some rescue projects where they had talked to another designer and you know they promised a lot for a little in terms of either time or budget, and it just didn't work out. I would be looking at a designer who kind of has realistic promises. And Carson, probably, Carson,
0: sorry to interrupt, but when you say a realistic promise, is that in terms of, hey, we can finish this in X amount of time? Is that a, we'll be able to increase your conversion rate by X percent? What do you mean?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's probably both of those. So... You know, the one that I was thinking of is, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, oh, you know, we can do your f- a full redesign. It'll cost you $3,000 and it'll only take us three months. You know, well, three months sounds OK, but $3,000 for three months, you know, there's some disconnect there. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Or, you know, we can do this all in three weeks. Well, you know for a fact that it's going to take much longer than that. For example, I would never make a promise to a client or to a prospect that I could change their conversion rate. I would talk with them about that, and I would come up with suggestions. But I know too little about their business to make a promise like that. And that's kind of setting both of you up for potential disappointment on that one.
0: How important is it to obviously, you know, looking at their experience and their portfolio? Is it crucial that their body of work has the same feel that you want to capture with a redesign or, or with a makeover? Or can a good designer kind of say, "Hey"? I see, you know, if you provide a few examples and good guidance, hey, I see what you want. I can tweak my style to that. How set in stone are most designers, I guess, feel?
1: You know, I may get in trouble with some other designers for saying this, but I, <laughs> that's
0: why I like you here.
1: I, I think it's really important that their style matches what you're looking for. You know, a good designer can adapt. Yes, they can adapt. Do you want your designer to sort of be bending over backwards and adapting? <sighs> Maybe, and really good ones can do it, but you know my feeling is when I talk to somebody, if they've looked at my portfolio and they like what they see and they could see their projects sitting alongside those, I think they're going to be happy and I'm going to be happy. If they need something very, very different from that, I just think they're going to be better served by somebody who is better at the design style that they're looking for. So anyway, I, I do think it's really important that the design style kind of match what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, because otherwise you're working against what's ingrained, the style of, yeah, of the designer, yeah. and you're just working this uphill battle.
1: Exactly. And, you know, designers have sort of, you know, for better or worse, they kind of have styles and things that they fall back on and that they go to that work, and those evolve over time. I'm not saying that they're stuck on those, but there's a certain perspective that a designer brings to a project, and really you want your perspectives to line up. And, if the, and you can kind of see in their design work, if your perspective aligns with theirs. So I would start with that for sure.
0: When you're thinking about the redesign process, you know, obviously there's kind of two elements to it. You've got the design the aesthetics, how the site is going to look, but then you also have the usability, the programming elements of it, uh, unique functionality. And those are very different skill sets. Someone who's going to be able to design. Usually it's very rare to find someone that can cross over really well between both. Should you try to find, to be able to tackle both of those, should you try to find a one-stop shop uh, place that has both of those in-house? Or should you contract both of those people individually and try to facilitate their working together? How should you think about that in the early stages?
1: Well, I think both can be successful. Um, I think you're at an advantage if you have a one-stop shop where you have designers and developers who've worked together and know how to work together. They've got a rhythm and a flow. I think there's a synergy there that can happen that I think will benefit your project. That said, a good developer, and really the programmer, the coder, a good developer can take any design, for the most part, and bring it to life and make it work. If you go that route, I strongly recommend involving the developer early in the process um, with the designer. Like I I wouldn't get the design done and then find a developer. Um, I would find them both at the same time. And I would involve that developer early just because they're going to have an understanding of the platform. They're going to be able to chime in and maybe point out overly expensive approaches that you might want to avoid. They'll be able to point out limitations of the platform. It doesn't need to be a lot of time from the developer, but unless your designer is really familiar with the platform too, I would have that developer and designer start to communicate at the early stages of the project if they're not in the same house.
0: I kind of made some assumptions at the top. I said, you know, Hey, it's, it, you can almost never find someone that does both. Is is has that been your experience? I mean, have you ever found, have you seen that work very well or, you in know, the past I'll tell you did...
1: that there, there are a few, and you know, in our industry, they call them unicorns, but there are very, <laughs> there are very few that, that can do both. Actually they're out there. I don't, I don't want to disparage because there are some that are just amazing and that can do both, but there's something about sort of the left brain and right brain and getting somebody who's really strong on both sides of the brain, if you will, is a rarity. It can happen. And, and if you find it, that's great. But a lot of times the very best designers have spent all of their time and energy becoming really good at design. And the best developers have done the same thing with development. So it's a little more rare to find crossover.
0: So let's say, let's say I've got a couple of designers who I'm, I've looked at their portfolio, I've chatted with them, I'm interested in moving to the next phase. So what's the next step from there to try to see if it's a best fit or to get a high level quote i mean do i need to provide them a one page brief of what i want do i need to do a full on mock up of my website how do i move on from there
1: you know i think the first step is to is to contact the designer that you have in mind a good first step for that would be maybe to put together a one page brief in an email and just say you know at a high level here's what i'm trying to accomplish send that to the designer, and then get on the phone and talk through that with them. I would very, very, very early on, I would talk about budget and, you know, time frame and stuff. You know, you're you're trying to make sure that the developer is a good fit for you or the designer, and they're trying to make sure that, that you're a good fit for them. And so I think taking some time initially to talk that stuff through just to kind of get, lay the groundwork is important. That'll get you in the door. When it comes to being able to really dial in a full quote, you really do need to create um, you know what we ask our clients, and we can help them come up with this. Sometimes they can come up with it on their own, but we'll help them come up with it if not. And that is, we need a full specification for what we're building. I think it helps to think about a site redesign at the level that we're talking as a software project because that's really what it is. And so you know we'll work with our prospects and clients we'll help them come up with a site map. We help them come up with a set of wireframes for each unique template on the site, and we'll kind of go through the process of describing what's going on with each template and and coming up with this spec. We tend to lean toward a preference for a visual specification, which is very wireframe heavy. And let me define wireframe for just a moment. Wireframe really is sort of shapes and lines and boxes and stuff on, you know, people can do it with pen and paper if they want. I happen to prefer doing it digitally. But it's not design. It's these are the elements that should be on the page. Here's roughly where I think we might want to start talking about that they should be on the page. But just to kind of communicate, the ability for your designer and developer to give you an accurate quote requires a lack of ambiguity about what they're quoting. And that process kind of helps that.
0: So I can see from... Having that initial discussion with a what they could say a one page brief, I imagine that's something that's not going to be it's not going to be a cost involved there, even if it's a half an hour forty five minute discussion oh, yeah, you're, no. just, you're just trying right. to get a sense for that, but yep. moving on to something and you know you mentioned helping people put up an entire full mock-up of a wireframe that's if I was a designer from my perspective, that starts to get into the level of well, hey, it is business development, but at the same time i I kind of need some assurance that I'm not going to spend uh, ten hours, twenty hours you know, really specking out a project and then have you say, yeah, you know, thanks, but I'm going to take this somewhere else. Or so how does that work from that level? Is it, do you do it? Is it an hourly basis that you charge? Do you do a couple hours for free and then charge beyond that? When do you, when should a client reasonably expect to start paying before they get like a a full on quote? Because I believe most projects, big redesign projects are going to be specked out and quoted on a project basis. Is that correct? Once you like agree on everything?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think you nailed it. That really is how things work as soon as we are starting to engage in 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 creating value for you as a client at that point really that's when we're going to ask to be paid for our time and in creating that specification is creating value for you at the end of that process you will have a blueprint if you will for your site that you can shop you can talk to other designers and and get a quote on it but at that point we've created something of value that you're going to have to do anyway you're not going to want to tackle a project without doing that. And so we'll help you do that typically on an hourly basis. And we'll give you an idea. We'll say, hey, you know, this might take 10 or 20 hours or whatever it is. And, you know, we can kind of get into that. If you're a little nervous, we can do a couple hours for free just to start out so you can see what's involved. But typically we're going to start, you know, asking to be compensated for our time and helping you do that. It also frees you up as a, as a store owner to kind of lean on their expertise and expect more from them if you're paying them. And so I've I just found that it creates a healthy relationship at that early stage.
0: And what programs, obviously it sounds like sometimes the designer will do the wireframing. I'm sure sometimes a client can either help out with that or, or assist in some regards, and maybe even doing a sitemap with a wireframe. What tools do you recommend uh, for people that maybe don't do this professionally, that, that are easy to use, that uh, they could reference?
1: You know, it's funny. I have seen some absolutely mind-blowing mock-ups that people make in PowerPoint and Keynote.
0: Keynote's,
1: <laughs> <laughs> keynote's you know, pretty good, a, I like Keynote. It is, you yeah. know, I mean, so if, if those are tools that you're familiar with, those can work pretty well. I'm partial to a tool called Balsamic that's kind of like balsamic vinegar, only with a Q on the end. If you Google that, you'll find it. I like Balsamic because it's very easy to use. It kind of gives you this palette of elements and you can kind of drag them onto the page. And its key benefit is that it's limited and it's, and it's ugly so you don't kind of get hung up on trying to design. You're just putting elements on a page in kind of a rough layout to start. And that's really where you want to be at that early stage. If you do more than that, you're kind of starting to get into the design territory, and that's okay, but usually that's, I think it's better when that comes a little bit later in the process. There are other tools. OmniGraffle is another that on the Mac that's that's pretty popular. It's a little bit more sophisticated. But uh, there are several out there, Mockingbird, there are several that kind of do that same kind of um, early, easy mock-up stuff. But again, it doesn't really, the tool doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you can do it on a legal pad and a pen and probably do just fine.
0: One thing I'd love to, to ask is in terms of cost, and this is kind of a squishy question, right? Because it's going to be all over the board. But just in a ballpark, I think sometimes people will have unrealistic expectations they'll talk to a professional designer and especially a freelance if they're working with a freelancer and you know sit down and think expect to pay $15 20 30 an hour and get 100 or $150 an hour right back and they're just floored yeah <laughs> but at the same time i mean it's there's a lot goes into it. As a freelancer, there's a lot of non-billable time you're, you're having to make up for. So, And again, it's squishy, but what's a reasonable rate for someone who's professional, who really knows what they're doing? You can expect to not only be a good project manager, but a good designer and or developer on that side. Actually, let's stick with the designer side. In terms of a project basis, so like a roughly, let's say you quote out a 200-hour project versus an hour-by-hour basis, let's say, which would be in the early phases when you're setting up that wireframe
1: yeah so I think you nailed it. um There are a lot of hats that need to be worn here, and so there's a lot of project management designing, even developing all that stuff to do it well, to be honest, it's expensive when you're doing that, you're at the level where maybe let me back up just a little bit. when you tackle a project like this, it shouldn't be a cost. The cost should ultimately be zero. it's an investment that you're going to get back over time because they're doing a good job, mm-hmm. but you know. It's not atypical for a good designer to charge you know, upwards of $100 an hour. We actually charge $150 an hour. We think we can get more done in an hour than some folks who might charge less could do, even compounded. But I don't think it's unreasonable to pay a little bit more when you're kind of at that higher level of design. Am I answering your question?
0: Yeah, no, that does help. Is there a difference between the hourly rate you would charge, let's say just kind of on an ad hoc basis for creating that initial blueprint versus when you, and maybe I'm thinking about how kind of the contract phase is, is set up, but versus the hourly rate or effective hourly rate, I guess, that you would pay when you are assured 300 hours when a client right. signs a massive contract for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So kind of the way we split it up is when the work is ambiguous, the time frame is ambiguous. We're charging hourly for that. Mm-hmm. Once we know you know, so once we've worked to the point where we've got a clear specification, we know what's involved with the project, we've got a pretty good idea of how many hours it's going to take on our side. That rate really is a, a reduced hourly rate for sure. If you were to break it over the hours that you have, kind of a bulk discount, if you will, it's still going to be, you know, you, I think you'd mentioned in the last podcast or one of the last podcasts, is, you know, it's four or five figures that you're spending on this redesign. I think that's accurate, probably more into the five figures than four, but I think that helps. At least, kind of paint the picture in terms of, of what you can expect on cost.
0: Okay, great. Design. I think it was John Myers that said something to the effect of "design without function is just vanity," and yeah. and good design <laughs> has has a purpose. That's right. And so, how much of of you know a designer's work, a good designer's work is centered around. The, the goals of the redesign? Because when you step back, ultimately, you shouldn't say, I just want a flashy site. You should say, we're doing this redesign for A, B, C, and D. So how much should you expect a, a designer to be able to talk with you about those those goals, to understand those goals And to be able to integrate those into the design, is that a designer's role, or do you really—is that kind of asking too much of them? And is that something where you need to specify those, or you need to bring in like a UX guy to specify those?
1: You know, I don't think you can separate those concerns from design. That is design. You know, a good designer adheres to the old architectural adage of form follows function. You know, so the function really is: what are the goals of the site? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you hoping to? achieve with not just the overall site redesign but a specific page that we're talking about like what are you trying to do with this product page and let's think through give you know client please bring your experience and your understanding of your customer base and your understanding of your industry and what has worked in the past and tests you have run i'm going to bring general e-commerce experience experience that i've had with other clients and a usability expertise based on having built a lot of these together we're going to work to create something that holds a, the highest possible chance we can work together to come up with that it's going to achieve your goals. And of course you're not done when you do a redesign. You can, you know, you can continue to evolve and and refine the page, but but really I don't I don't think you can separate those out. I think your designer absolutely needs to be on the same page with you, thinking about the same things, asking questions related to what your goals are and really working toward those.
0: So assume I've picked a designer to move forward with you kind of touched on we touched on a little bit in terms of the wireframe and then the contract, but can you walk me through the steps of getting that project, becoming officially engaged with that designer and getting the project underway? What do you need from the client to be able to be successful and to start moving forward?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's helpful to think about a project as two phases. The first half, if you will, is kind of on your shoulders and the second half shifts to the designer, and obviously you both have a role in both. But kind of the process is initially you're coming up with defining the project. You're working together on that. The majority of that responsibility is on your shoulders as the client. You need to know what you need out of the project, and you need to do your homework to kind of figure that stuff out. Once you've defined that, it really the burden of work really then shifts to the designer and the developer to working with you, of course, but to kind of bring that to life and to make that happen. So I think sort of a good flow is to work to come up with that with that project specification, you know, define the scope, define the details of the project. And then for maximum success, you want to be really interactive. You want to be communicating with your your designer I would recommend having regular check-ins and you know hopefully they're using a good project management tool so you can kind of see what they're doing and maybe some milestones and just get a feel for how they're working be a good single point of contact for your designer they need to be able to have somebody they can call or you know email and get a response back quickly so that they can keep moving you know so good communication and you know sort of a that flow of Specification to design and development.
0: What kind of things do clients do? I'm sure there's a there's a litany of things that you'll probably rein yourself in and to not offend all your you know any clients that are listening. But <laughs> but in in general, what kind of things do clients do that get in the way of your work or make your process more troublesome or difficult or expensive, even if they think they're trying to help?
1: Yeah, you know, first I want to say that I think a well managed project and a good designer developer team, a good agency. Is also a good project manager. A well-managed project has typically managed most of that, so it, it, you don't get a lot of that. But you know, the things that make it difficult are maybe the inverse of what I talked about before. If you're a poor communicator, if you're expecting your designer to do things that they're just not able to do because they don't understand your business or, or what you're doing, you know, if you've got too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, I know if you've got you know five different people that that this designer is supposed to interact with, that just doesn't work very well. I think probably the primary frustration that comes between in any project is if you haven't done a good job in that early stage and you're still trying to do that in the second phase, you're still trying to define the scope, especially after a bid has been submitted and you've kind of mm-hmm. agreed on a price. If you're changing the scope or you want to change the scope, that's fine. And you know, as an agency, we'd be happy to do that. But it's important to understand that there's going to be a cost to that that's, because it's more than what we originally agreed to do.
0: You're not just going to work in perpetuity with unlimited changes, (laughs) (laughs) and that's into like revisions. Is another interesting thing. Is it seems like revisions would be a point, a a very large point of potential friction because on the developer side, you, obviously, in developer and designer side, you created something to spec, and again, like you mentioned, there's any additional work is going to take more of your time. But on the same side, there's also probably a, a fairly realistic expectation that there should be some level of, hey, let's tweak this, let's tweak that. So how do you balance that? What's a reasonable number of revisions a client can make? And how do you deal
1: with that process? You know, in terms of that balance, I think it's, you're dead on. Your specification is not going to be perfect. And it's important that both sides understand that. So there may be a time when, you know, we'll, we'll start to tackle something that's in the specification. We even helped you write the spec and we understand the platform. We're going to get into it and realize, you know what, this is a lot more difficult to pull off or maybe even impossible given the platform. And so, you know, we expect some flexibility on your side to say, all right, let's go back to the drawing board a little bit on this. And let's see if we can find another way to accomplish the goal. At the same time, once it starts to come to life and you see it in the flesh, if you will, you're going to look at your site and say, hey, you know what? I hadn't thought about this, but that just doesn't work. You know, if it's a relatively minor change, we're more than happy to work with you and and kind of work that out. Really what we're talking about are really time-consuming changes that can be frustrating for both parties and that will need to change the scope of the project. In terms of your question about revisions, let me speak to design revisions because I think that's mainly what you're talking about here. I think the step one is make sure you've picked a designer that you trust and that has a style. You know, this goes back to the earlier question we had on style. If you trust your designer and they have a style that's consistent with what you're looking for, the need for revisions is going to go down drastically. Typically, revisions are needed because the designer isn't realizing what you had in your head. So the way we work is we will work with you through that wireframing process. We're coming up with a design and when you see that design come to life, you're not surprised. You know, it's not like we go in a cave for six months and come out <laughs> and pull, pull the curtain off and say, ta-da! That's not how we work. You know, we're, we're, we're back and forth with you. We're talking through the process, and you're not surprised when you see it. And then typically what we do is we have one big revision at that point that you, where you see it in its live form, and we say, okay. And this is usually in, in the design phase. And you'll say, you know what? I like it. Here are the changes that I think we need to make. We might debate with you about those changes based on you know, our understanding or limitations that we have. But usually we'll come to a consensus and then we'll do a revision that brings that in line with what you want. And then we then we move on.
0: So and I guess that was one of the things that I was envisioning is what happens if the redesign kind of pops up and then because that's that's how it worked with, with Redesigns. I've been involved with in the past is I kind of told them what I wanted to do, had a rough idea, and then I just they were just like, well, it's ready one day, and then I just went to the website, and <laughs> bam, and I was, you know, and so that idea of yeah. just seeing it for the first time and having this, gut feeling of, oh my gosh, this isn't anything what I want. But what you're saying yeah. is a good designer that you're working with, is going to prep you upfront with those things. So maybe it's not in full, you know, 1080p color, but you've got a really good sense before the heavy, heavy lifting of implementation begins of what it's going to look like. So that if there are problems, you can address them then and not after all the work's been finished.
1: I think that's exactly right you know it just it's a collaborative process you shouldn't be surprised by it you know you've already familiarized yourself with the style that the designer uses the designer has asked you questions like what are sites you like? What are some words that describe the feel that you want on your site? We're talking through the process of kind of defining what that design should be. You know, and then we, you know, we might do, you know, we'll, we'll start with a homepage and we might do a header, you know, maybe the top, the above the fold, we'll do that design. And then we're kind of going back and forth with you about that to kind of refine that. And then we're doing more. I think it's a mistake for a designer to, like I say, go in that cave and, <laughs> and crank away for, for three months and come out and spring it on a client. That's setting both parties up for some disappointment, I think.
0: Well, what about ownership of final resources i know a lot of photographers like wedding photographers and such they'll they'll come to an event you pay them and you know they're definitely taking pictures but if you want to have the raw not the negatives but the raw digital files that's an additional cost, or you know, you can print them off for a fee. But if you want the raw stuff, it's going to cost you more. Is that the same? And I have no idea. Is that kind of the the way it works in the design world as well? Or as the client, should I expect to be able to get all the PSD files, all of the uh, you know fonts, and all of the supporting documents that you you used? So if we want it. Tweak them internally, or take them to another designer. That we can do that without a problem. Yeah. The, the,
1: the short answer is yes. Those files were created for your use, and then they're yours to use. There may be some old school folks that kind of still adhere to the you know we're going to hold this hostage and try to get more money out of you to get more from you, or we're just going to keep it for whatever reason. But that I don't think that makes sense in today's world. I mean, I think anything that's created on your behalf is yours. And honestly, that's the kind of relationship you want with a designer. It's a trustful relationship, and like you said, you know, that designer may get, you know, hit by a bus, the proverbial bus accident. And, <laughs> yep. you know, what are you going to do? You know, you need those files so you can go find another designer or that designer might take another job or have a baby right when you need a change or whatever it is. You need to be able to to have ownership of those files. So I would definitely insist on, on that. Yeah, for sure.
0: That's good to know. And finally, what about ongoing work? You know, you think about a redesign and it's Most websites uh, are not static, even e-commerce sites. You have holiday specials. You have small tweaks you need to make. You implement live chat and want to put that in the header. How much, I guess, guess this is a two-part question, but what should you do to make sure to set it up that you can be able to change that site on an ongoing basis? And do you work with the majority of your clients after that initial redesign phase to help them with changes on an ongoing basis? Or is that something they usually bring
1: in-house? Well, I'll tell you, it's somewhat platform dependent. You know, we we tend to work with Shopify, and so I can speak more to that. But our goal at the end of a project is for you to be totally self-sufficient. It's a drain both on the client, really, and on an agency to do 30 minutes and one hour and two hours here and there. Yeah. Um, it's not great work for either party. In my opinion, a good e-commerce solution allows all maintenance to be done by the client and easily. I don't think you need to, you know, if you're going to do a holiday special, you're going to change out your header graphics, you're going to change products, you're going to, you know, update your homepage. The ability for you to do all of that stuff should be part of the original spec that you write. And I think it's not uncommon for us to have a client that we work with and we'll we'll go through a big job with them and then I don't hear from them for three years. You know, and and then they'll come back and I do hear from them when it's time. You know, we need a new product page template that addresses this new product type that we're coming out with. Okay, great. You know, we work with you. We help you build that out. And then we build the mechanics in so that you can update that from here on out. So that's the way we like to work is that you can kind of maintain things yourself after we're done.
0: That's one of the big problems. Again, going back to that initial uh, 5K design that I had done was based on the way it was done. And I'm not blaming our designer. Our designer was great to work with, but it wasn't something we talked about. And I didn't have the design skills at the end of the road when it was done. We couldn't update the homepage at all <laughs>
1: because it was <laughs> oh, just, ouch.
0: you know, because yeah. it, was, it was very static and it, we didn't really know how to do it. And there was a lot of um, fairly complex graphics and, and things that were hard to match. So that, that's good to hear because it is so tough.
1: Let's say with current platforms in today's world, good content management systems that are behind them, it used to be the scenario you're describing many years ago, that was the world we lived in. But fortunately, we're out of that world. And really, you should have the ability to make the changes and updates to basic stuff yourself.
0: Carson, you alluded to the fact that you work uh, with Shopify primarily. And and of course, you're you're the man behind ShopifyCustom.com. And just give us a sense of what you do there, what your focus is on, and who might be potentially a good fit for you if they're thinking about a redesign on the platform.
1: My background is in working with e-commerce, you know, starting back in the, I think I launched my agency in in March of 2000. And back then we were writing e-commerce sites by hand using classic ASP, Microsoft's (laughs) web technology back in the day. And, you know, we we would build each e-commerce site from scratch. And over time, we evolved away from doing that and really started to embrace tools like Shopify. They were one of the early ones that was better than Yahoo stores, which was terrible at the time and still is, I think. But we started to really kind of build a niche around Shopify. And if you want to bring your your store to Shopify and, you know, either initially or if you want to do a re-platform and move to Shopify, you know, we've got experience in that. We've got good connections and good relationships with Shopify themselves. You know, we can really help you uh, dial that in. It's just Shopify has become our expertise. We've worked with other stuff, but we've kind of gotten away from that in the last few years. And really, Shopify is all we do
0: right? That's something that you're even in the market for a Shopify has a really great, Carson's got a great portfolio over there. Also one of the top Shopify experts on the platform. So definitely a man that uh, has a lot of, a lot of chops in the, in the space, Carson, this has been fantastic. Answered a lot of questions I've had in the process and I'm sure it's been valuable to folks. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, it's been my pleasure. It's been an honor, Andrew. Thank you for having me.
0: That's going to do it for this week. But if you're interested in launching your own e-commerce store, download my free 55-page ebook on niche selection and getting started. And if you're a bit more experienced, look into the e-commerce fuel private form. It's a vetted community for store owners with at least 4,000 in monthly sales or industry professionals with at least a year or more experience in the e-commerce space. You can learn more about both the ebook and the form at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next Friday.